Welcome to Pensions WTAF Working Through the Actual Facts podcast, a podcast brought to you by Pengage Limited, pension communications, engagement and guidance experts. I'm Laura and I have 25 years experience working within the pension sector, helping people to prepare and plan for their retirement. And I'm Nigel Heaton. I joined um, Laura at Pengage last year. After 33 years working in the pensions industry uh, for some of the major employee benefit consultancies, I'm also a fellow of the Pensions Management Institute and on pensions, I'm really short of an opinion. So this is a podcast no one will want to listen to because it's about pensions, but you should listen to it. It's a bit fun, it's relatable, it's kind of important. This is not financial advice, but guidance to help work through some of the practical and emotive issues that causes pensions procrastination. So we basically take the complicated stuff and try and make it a bit not complicated. Hello and welcome to episode six of the podcast. Just to recap, episode five was part one of our pensions bingo and today we're going to have the second part of that. We are really late. I am really sorry. Um, let's blame half term and childcare. So sorry if we've kept you hanging on, but we're here now. All right, Nigel. Yes, I'm good, thank you. Had a good half-term break, so thanks very much, and we got the chance to meet up, didn't we? We did, for the second time ever. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's strange having lunch in person. I felt like we were better off doing a podcast or something across the table. Yeah, but there's no food then, is there, with podcasts? So, you know, that's always a bit disappointing. <laughs> well, you can't see what I've got under the desk. Yeah, true. I don't think we'll leave that there, thanks. <laughs> Have you brought a joke today? Yes, um, apparently yesterday was Amazon Prime Day, um, which is obviously one of those gimmicks to get you to uh, spend more on Amazon. But I found a book, How to Solve 50% of Your Problems. So I bought two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Let me know if it works. I might buy four. <laughs> okay, so let's recap then on what we're doing today. So as we've said, this is the second part of Pensions Bingo. To how this works, one of us will explain a jargon pensions word, um, which then invariably leads us into another pensions term because we are just a sector of jargon. Um, and at this point, the other one will shout bingo um, and then goes on to explain that term and so on. And, and the idea is to try and just pull out some of the key elements of pensions terminology that you might see with your annual statements. There are many, many, many different ones so we're just going to try and focus on some of the key ones the last podcast episode five we looked primarily at defined benefit schemes particularly the public sector and so this time we're going to look at what we call defined contribution schemes and they are things like avcs or additional voluntary contributions personal pensions stakeholder pensions most private sector pensions will now be a defined contributions so let's make a start. Nigel, do you want to give me a word to start with? Uh, yes, of course. But before I do, can you hear next door's chickens? I think they've just fed the chickens and, and they've all started clocking. Can you hear them? No. No, I, I'm no. listening. In t- no. Um, all right. Can't really call it a countryside podcast then, can we? Well, I, I guess the, the first one should probably be let's start with defined contribution. Okay, excellent. So define contribution schemes. So the way that these schemes work is the contributions paid by you and your employer are invested for you personally and accumulate in a pension pot. And a bit like investments, the value of the pot can go up or down. Um, And then at retirement, you've got various options about how you can take those benefits and put them into payment. So for example, you could take a tax-free lump sum. Oh, bingo. 
I'm sure I did this last time when we were talking about defined benefit, but tax-free lump sum. When you retire, (laughs) you can choose to take some of your pension pot as a a lump sum, tax-free. And this can be up to 25% of the total value of your pot. And you can do this from either your whole pension pot or you can take part of your pension, which we call drawdown. Bingo. So drawdown, another excellent pensions term, was originally introduced with much gusto in 2015. And you may remember from the news, there was a concern that what would happen is everybody would take their pension money as cash, buy a Lamborghini and then live off the states. But it never really kind of happened like that. Anyway, it's, it's an option which exists for defined contribution schemes. And it means that you can take your 25% tax-free cash sum, as Nigel said, and then draw down the remainder of your pension fund. Or you can sometimes do it another way, which is take a bit of your pension fund at a time. And from that bit that you take, you can then take 25% tax-free, so long as the overall total cash doesn't exceed 25%. So what do we mean by drawdown? So drawdown means that you can pull out parts of your pension as cash rather than receive it as a regular income. So you can do that all at once. So, for example, you could take out your 25% tax-free and then take all of the rest of the pension out as cash, or you can do it in stages. So take, for example, £10,000 this year, £10,000 next year, £5,000 a year after, and so on. Now, the difference is when you do a drawdown, the element that you're drawing down after your tax-free cash um, will be taxed at normal HMRC rates of income tax. So um, you can take it out, but you will pay tax on it. Um, However, it's a really great flexible option and you can use it to for a number of different things. So, for example, you could use it as a bridge until when your additional income comes in, such as through the state pension, or you can use it in a way to plan your retirement spending profile. Bingo. Retirement spending profile. Um, Just just by way of background, um, Laura, when you and I were putting together our pre-retirement webinar material, we we would trying to focus quite a lot on levels of income people should aspire to and can expect in retirement. So the main two sources that we refer to in that are from which money and from the PLSA, which is the Pensions and Lifetime Saving Association. And they both helpfully have um, an indication as to what um, you can expect in in retirement uh, or rather what levels of income you should aspire to in retirement if you want a basic um, retirement if you want a comfortable retirement or, or if you want um, an extravagant um, retirement and they show you what levels of income would fall under each of those three headings and quite helpfully they're in broad agreement as to what the income ranges are but one of the things that we wanted to uh, emphasize it in the sessions we do is that that's all well and good and it is important but it's never quite as simple as that in that your spending profile in retirement is not a linear uh, graph. It's not a straight line where you, you simply spend the same every month, every year from year one of retirement and, and into year um, 30 of retirement. You know, we talk about my dad on this quite a lot. He's now in year 35 of retirement. He spends very little day to day these days. Uh, but when he first retired, when he was my age, um, 55, um, him and my mum spent a lot of time touring Scotland and they didn't quite have the camper van, but they, they spent a lot of time driving around, going on holidays that they'd planned all their lives. So you will typically spend more earlier on in your retirement while you're a bit younger, potentially more active. 
and you're enjoying the fact that your children have probably um, recently left home, perhaps set up their own families. Um, but it will typically slow down again in the middle once you've sort of been on your holiday of a lifetime and, and you believe your children are comfortable and no longer need the, the level of financial support that maybe you've been giving them all the in the earlier part of the, their lives. So it is possible also, that, and, and the reason um, financial advisors and commentators refer to this as sort of a U-shape or a J-shape curve is that it is possible that as you get older again you may need care and support and therefore your need for um, income uh, increases again as as you reach your later years of retirement. Drawdown is a great option as Laura said but you do need to make sure you don't run out of money and and that when you do your sums you you understand that none of these things are certain. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know precisely what your need for income is going to be at any point in time. Um, but one option that you can use, um, which is different to drawdown, is, is to tap into a regular income through something that's called an annuity. Bingo. So really, an annuity is another word for what we would typically, typically associate with pensions. So uh, we usually associate with pensions being a regular income. Um, so what you can do is you can use your defined contribution scheme fund to effectively buy yourself in a, pens- a pension or an annuity. Um, and this can be for life. So it can be from the point that you retire and it will pay it to you um, until you die. Or you can do it for a fixed term. So, for example, you might buy yourself an annuity to cover you for seven years from the age of 60 to 67, and then your state pension kicks in. So it's all about how you can use it to also manage your retirement profile. Um, It provides more certainty certainty than drawdown because it gives you a regular income. So you know you're getting that income regardless, Um, and particularly if you plan on living forever. As Nigel said, one of the issues with drawdown is that you can keep drawing down, but if you live for a really long time and you don't plan it right, you can run out of money but annuity would ensure that that wouldn't happen. However, they can feel a bit expensive and restrictive, and you'll need to consider things such as if you want a spouse or partner pension payable in the event of your death, do you want your pension to increase in line with inflation whilst it's in payment, and so on. So when you're looking at annuities and annuity options, it's important to read all the small print really carefully to make sure that you're making the right choices that's the best option for you. Uh, annuities are usually provided by insurance companies um, so you can shop around which is great do be really careful of pension scams uh, that's quite high profile in the news at the moment if somebody contacts you out of the blue says you've got to move quite quickly it all sounds too good to be true I would just hang the phone up but you can go on to comparison sites like you would do with your car insurance and they will bring up the big insurance companies and compare the different annuity rates and options for you. So that's that's quite another a good option that you can look at. Once you put your annuity into payment, it is fixed on the terms that you choose. And so the value will not change in line with investments. Bingo. Investments. Um, your retirement income from a defined contribution scheme it is a, a function of the contributions that have been paid in and the investment performance of the fund itself. So because, it, in effect, the fund's at the mercy of markets, investment markets, the value of the fund can go up or down. So pensions commentators refer to defined contribution schemes uh, as a situation whereby the member bears the investment risk, the risk of 
investments underperforming is very much on the individual member. And it can be difficult to firstly understand this and then secondly to navigate through the various options that you can take to try and mitigate or reduce this risk. As individuals, most of us are not investment experts and, and there are various ways that scheme managers and trustees will try and help with this. And one of them is the default option, which is usually a, a, a lifestyle uh, or, or planning option. Bingo. Lifestyling, life planning, glide path, sometimes is another word that's referred to. Um, as Nigel said, these are often the default option. And that means that you don't want to what they call self-style or make your own investment choices. The way that lifestyling works is that it, it moves your investments in line with the, your journey to retirement. So it looks at how far away you are from your intended retirement age and invests your contributions on that basis. So, for example, the further you are away from your retirement age, the more likely it will be that your contributions are invested into what they call higher risk funds. It gives you an expectation of a higher return, but it can, it can be quite volatile. So that's quite good and manageable when you're further away from retirement. But the closer you get, the funds are gradually shifted across into lower risk funds, such as bonds or cash. And that means that they don't suffer um, significant changes in the market. Uh, so, for example, if we had a 2008 recurrence, you remember 2008 at the end of the year, the market crashed, the four horsemen of the apocalypse rode in, the world ended. If somebody was in a high risk equity fund at that point, then the value sort of halved overnight. Whereas if you're in a bond or cash position, it stays at a fairly steady level. And that's why they aim to do that, to protect those near retirement age. So, yeah, as I say, it's designed to provide some protection for you at retirement age rather than it being an issue. Bingo, retirement um, age. Sorry, I'm interrupting. But all right, you, go on. You, you, left the, you left the goal wide open for me. Retirement age in a defined contribution scheme is also set to the default age. Um, it's usually something like 65 or it can be state pension age. But uh, as an individual member, you can actually change this. You can update your own record with your own intended retirement date. Um, the important thing to remember is that your lifestyling strategy and, and the rate at which your funds transfer from higher risk to lower risk funds will be determined based on the period before your retirement date. So if you change your intended retirement date, you will also be changing the glide path of your transition into lower risk funds. So you can change your retirement age in a defined contribution scheme as much as you want, and your lifestyling funds will move around with it. If you pass your retirement date and you haven't stopped working, that's okay. Your funds simply will remain in the lower risk funds. And, and remember, you can currently access your pension benefits from age 55. There we go. So I think you won this week. I think you definitely won that. You think so? Yeah, I do. I do. Interestingly, on the retirement age, um, it's currently 55, isn't it? Some people do have a protected pension age of 50. Uh, so what that means is that they changed the minimum pension age, didn't they, to so 55. And But if you were already in a pension scheme with a, a minimum age of 50, you, you retained that. So that was protected. So at the moment, it's 55. There is currently a consultation ongoing or a government white paper that is out that is looking at moving that to initially 57 and then from then on in tracking 10 years behind the state pension age. 
Um, now, don't panic because that white paper seems to indicate the same thing would happen as did before with regards to protection. So if you're currently a member of a scheme and you have a minimum pension age of 55, then you retain that. It's only if you, you join a new scheme after these changes are put in place that that scheme would then have a minimum pension age of 57 or tracking behind the state pension age. So it's something that people do get quite animated about, and I do understand that. But if you're already in a pension scheme, you're kind of protected with the age that that has. So for most people, it will continue to be 55. Um, something we didn't mention, though, Nigel, was AMC. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yes. Um, AMC, bingo. Yeah, annual management charge. Um Pension provider will usually apply a small charge to either the contributions you pay in on the value of your fund on an ongoing basis to cover their costs. Occasionally, they will apply both. Um, the AMC, the annual management charge, will be shown on your, your pension statement as a deduction. Um, it can be called other things such as fund charge or management charge. Um, the charge varies from scheme to scheme and provider to provider, so it's not always... Um, very easy to compare them and a financial advisor will help you with this because they don't always disclose the total charges and, and you need to be comparing something called the total expense ratio to be able to make a meaningful comparison. So you may need specialist advice and charges do make a difference, although there is no legislation in place to um, put a ceiling on, on the maximum that pension providers can um, deduct by means of a charge. They can make a difference to the investment growth and therefore a difference to the value of your pot at retirement. Yeah, it's uh, that some of them apply a charge to contributions paid, some of them apply to the fund, don't they? So it's, it's difficult to compare. Yeah. Um, so for any of these schemes, these defined contribution schemes, whether it's a personal pension, um, an employer's pension scheme, NEST, which is the one of the big auto enrollment schemes, etc., you should be able to access details about your specific pension savings online. I think all of them now have online access through various different portals. If you don't currently do this, it's a really good thing to do to make sure you find out how you can. So you can register and then you can access your pension information online. And I appreciate this isn't something you're going to necessarily look at on a weekly basis. But what they also do by getting access, it gives you the current value of the funds. You can see what the fund has done. It will tell you what your retirement age is, so you can change that if you want to. It will also enable you to do projections. So if you continue paying the same contribution for the next 20 years, you know what realistically could you expect your overall pension pot to be worth depending on returns and things like that. So it's a really helpful tool just to give you an idea of where you're headed from a planning point of view. Um, and so that, that can be quite important. The other thing it might enable you to do as well is uh, elect to keep or update a nomination. And a nomination is where the money will go in the event that you die. So if something happens to you, there's a pot of money there um, and that is paid out to whoever you've nominated. So it's always a good idea to keep your nomination form up to date as well. Um, we still have to do the podcast on death, don't we, Nigel? But we can de dedicate the whole podcast to <laughs> Save that for Halloween or something, yeah. That's my favourite subject. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to add, Nigel? I, well, I just want to emphasise something you said a few minutes ago so that our listeners will remember it, and that is that you think I won this one. <laughs> <laughs> just this week, mind. <laughs> 
Um, so hopefully that's helped uh, with some of the key terms. If you're somebody who is who has both pensions types of pension schemes, then hopefully episode five and episode six have helped just to translate a little bit. Uh, online statements should be being updated now. Um, some of you, the defined contribution schemes will actually do that every month as well. So it's always worth just checking in at least once a year so you can see what's happened. Have any of your circumstances changed, which means you need to change some of that information. Um, so I think that's it for today. So thank you. Um, I can promise you it won't be too long till episode seven because um, there's no half term scheduled for a while, is yeah. there? So no, there isn't. We've got a few weeks. Um, so with that, we'll say goodbye and we'll catch up next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Nigel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions that you would like us to cover in any future episodes, then please feel free to email us to hello at pengage.co.uk. For more information about how we can support you and your employees with financial wellbeing and pensions planning, please have a look at our website, which is pengage.co.uk.